Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Ian's Untitled Scene Show. My name is Ian and I am very excited because tonight I have one of my favorite new bands on the show. It is Austin from The Undertaking. Austin, man, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty stinking good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us on, and we're stoked to be here. So thanks for saying that we're one of your favorite bands. That's uh, that's that's awesome. <laughs> as as people know, as people know who listen to the show, I never lie. So I am very very excited. I think this is very awesome, and I can just tell just from hearing you from our original intro to right now, you seem to be a very positive person. Oh. Thank you. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a pretty positive person. Uh, we tend in our band. We're we're kind of uh, we're pessimists for the most part, but we try to hide that in like optimism and positivity. But we're like eternal pessimists. And anyways, yeah, I, I'm a I'm a pretty positive guy. I live in San Diego. It's beautiful weather and life is good. So <laughs> no, it's very cool. Yeah. I, I was specifically referencing you because, yes, if we talked about some of the lyrics of your music, yeah, I could see that pessimism for sure. That's absolutely sure. <laughs> you know, man, that's it's funny that you bring that up kind of right off the bat, because that's like one of the things that's uh, it, there's a huge juxtaposition uh, with our band in terms of our lyrical content and then the aggressive nature of our music. Yeah. And you get to know us each individually as people. And we're just like normal dudes who are chilling and just want to play music together. And it turns out in this scenario to be down and heavy <laughs> and aggressive. So, right. Yeah. I think, I think it's good in a way to have that, that outlet, right? I mean, one of the things you can definitely do in the undertaking is have that venting session. It sounds like to me, when I'm listening to your music, I want to be screaming right along with you. Like I just imagine, you know yeah. what I mean? Jumping around, having, I mean, you've got to be missing live shows as everyone is, as I am. And when you hear your music, you just envision yourself in that live setting. And I'm sure that's something that you guys actually try to get out there. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that you picked up on that because as we're writing these songs, like, yeah, I totally have this vision in my head of, let's say at the end of O Negative, one of the first songs we, we released off of our upcoming album yep. at the end, when we get to that massive like breakdown, it gets all sludgy. And I just <laughs> totally imagine that, that that's the opportunity where you hold the mic out and everybody's just yelling along with you. So yeah, we're like, <laughs> You know, you never try to force something to happen if you don't know it's going to happen. But we definitely do write parts envisioning like, okay, this is the point where just everybody's going freaking crazy. And yeah, we're all jumping around and stuff. <laughs> yes, I can. I can certainly imagine it. Your your music just brings that out of people. I can, I can certainly tell that's for sure. Now, you definitely hit on something that we are going to talk in depth about. So I'm talking to you basically at the end of March, so it's pretty insane to think that in less than a month now, or wait, wait, is it, actually, I think it's, yeah, April 30th, so we're almost, we are actually yeah, a, one, a full month, one month away. away. Yeah, your brand new debut full-length album, Funeral Psalms, is going to come out on Solid State Records, which is pretty amazing. So, you know, we'll get some of the cliche questions out of the way, obviously. So why don't you tell me how that came about? And I know you probably told that story a million times, but I'm sure people want to know because it is, it seems like it's such a great story. Yeah, man, I appreciate you asking that. Uh, and I'll gladly share the story because it's literally like a dream come true for our band. So we, 
we are very green and we're a really new band. Sure. So to speak, we started two and a half years ago and the whole thing started as us. We we're a little bit older. So we're in our thirties, mm-hmm. uh, have full-time jobs and have kids and families and stuff. And we used to play in bands together. Our guitarist, Keith, and the drummer, Brent, and I, we've been playing music together on and off since junior high and in college. Just, you know, and then we kind of parted ways going on our uh, careers and start families. And then later in life, so two and a half years ago, we just started sending texts around and just being like, guys, like we should, we need to play music. Like, why aren't we doing this? (laughs) And then it all starts from like, okay, The Undertaking has now formed uh, again in in this new fashion Mm -hmm. and what do we do okay we want to play shows so we need to get music so we started to write these demos and then we went to record the demos and that actually turned into a real uh five song ep right we reached out to a friend of ours uh, dave quiggle who's uh famous for doing a lot of artwork in the like the mid-2000s hardcore scene works with based on records he's my tattoo artist Oh. Up in Temecula, so like 20 minutes away from where I live, and so I reached out to him on a on a whim, and I was like, "Yo, Dave, would you be interested in doing this artwork for us? We're doing this EP," and we were shocked when he said yes. So huh. then to start, we we're like, "Okay, we're just going to record some demos. Those demos become real fleshed out songs that sound pretty good, yep. and then we have Quiggle doing artwork on top of it, and we're like, "Oh crap! Like this is like a real thing." <laughs> and so that steamrolls then into us getting some shows. We end up recording some other singles completely on our own in our like home studios and stuff. And then that all all ties into March and April, May 2020, when COVID was about to hit. Right. Like we were about to play a show in San Diego with the red jumpsuit apparatus. Yes, and right. It was going to be a cool thing that got shut down. And so we're like, OK, what do we do? So we completely pivoted. And wrote Who's Afraid of Eleven Wolves, which is one of our singles that's on Spotify and all the streaming sites. Yep. And then right before we were going to release it, our manager, Joey, was like, hey, let's pause this release and let me just send this out and see what we can get. Because uh, we had gotten a little bit of traction from some distribution uh, uh, companies who wanted to help uh, put the song out for us. And he's like, hold on, let's just make a good decision. So he calls. And then the next day I'm on the phone with Solid State. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're like chatting about stuff and about the band. And then it just comes like, it's basically like, yeah, like we want to sign you guys. And for me, I'm like on the phone and my jaw drops. I call the band and we're like, hey, I think this is going to happen. And so like literally from just a band that started as a hobby, uh, from us making good decisions and being adults, treating the band like a business, we ended up being able to leverage that into solid state. And I mean, that's like I said before, that was a dream come true. And right. for us, then it was just this kind of fever dream of negotiating the contract, signing the contract, hopping into the studio. Uh, and then our manager, Joey, who's the guitarist for the used, yes, uh, right. Joey Bradford, he owns a, a studio in Vista. So, so in San Diego, uh, we all live like 10 minutes away from each other and the studio we recorded at is also 10 minutes away. So we spent August, 2020, uh, every single day that month going into the studio and we were able to write 11 songs. So anyways, that's a long winded explanation of just kind of how we came from like nothing and (laughs) saying like, Hey, we need to play music. Uh, and then ended up on solid state, which like is just still bonkers to us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely crazy. And I knew some of the backstory, to how you guys got together, but it's still 
what a whirlwind of things to happen. Oh, yeah, dude. Especially, I mean, what a great idea to pivot and say, okay, well, you know, we can't play shows. Let's take advantage of this time and be able to record. So, I mean, it's such a, I, I didn't congratulate you before, but let me do that. <laughs> so I'm going to congratulate you on signing with Solid State because I think that's a great label for you guys. And then also the actual album, Funeral Psalms, is so good front to back. And I've listened to it over and over again in preparation for this, but then just because I also love it. So just to go through it multiple times has been a lot of fun. So congrats on that as well. So that's, that's that. Dude, <laughs> yeah, dude, thank you so much. I can, I pause right there. So, so, so I'm so you've heard the full album. Oh yes. Multiple times. Yes. Oh, I was, dude, I'm like freaking out about that. <laughs> not, not very many people honestly have heard it. Uh, and I, that, that pumps me up because honestly, uh, as we discussed with solid state, which singles, uh, we released, we initially had like a full different plan on what we were going to put out. Oh. And obviously so we trust solid state and like, they crushed it with this release and which songs kind of rolled out in which order, right. because going from an O negative to no friends. And then, and then the next single, uh, is going to be taking down the river, ah, it sure. followed up, followed up by, uh, and everything worked out uh, just fine. Um, each one of those songs kind of show a different version of us. Yes. But then for us as a band, there's different songs on that album that we adore. And it's just like, oh, we can't wait for people to hear all that. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. No, I didn't know that you I, I did not know that you didn't know that I had. No, I love it. Dude, that's oh, okay. exciting. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the things I mean. I, I've been doing this type of show for it's almost 10 years now, somewhere around there. And I realized that I have to be able to hear the band's yeah. new, you know what I mean? Like in order to really get into that conversation about just the mindset that you guys were in to what I'm hearing, to comparing to your past music, it really does help to hear what you guys have coming out. So I will say the first thing that I heard was O negative. So that was the first thing. And then yeah. I went back and I listened to Scavengers, I listened to the singles, and then went to the whole entire album, and then went back and forth between everything. How exciting is it, dude? Like, I'm pumped that you did that, because just the progression on one, our, the progression of our sound from the, the EP mm -hmm. to the singles, each, each single then got a little bit better. And then obviously funeral Psalms just like blows them all out of the water. So we're <laughs> yeah, even, even from my like vocal presentation and what I'm able to do yes. on the vocals on the album, I was just like, you listen to scavengers and you're just like, Oh my gosh, I wish we could go back and, and redo some of this. Cause we've learned so much in just a short amount of time right. on like what we're trying to do and how to do it. And so that, yeah, dude, I'm fired up that you, uh, you did all that. That's, no, that's, that's really cool. That's, that's great to hear. And I, I definitely would not put down scavengers by any means because I think it's, it shows <laughs> a different side of, of what you guys do, but I really liked, and we'll, we'll get back to that for sure. But what I really liked about what you said there is, you can definitely hear the changes in how you guys basically did everything from scavengers through the singles to funeral psalms. And I, I definitely do want to hit on one big thing. You mentioned your vocals. There is such a huge change in your vocals from scavengers to now. Do you mind going through that a little bit? Because it seemed like a significant difference. 
Sure. Uh, trust me, I would love nothing more than to talk about my vocals nice. like all day long. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I joke around. I, I uh, the, the thing about us, specifically the undertaking and what we do, we try to be very humble. Like literally, I'm just a dude yelling into a microphone. <laughs> and you know, being from San Diego, we try to kind of j- just chill and 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 get stoked on the vibes and stuff. But all that to say, we're all very type A. Okay. And everything that we've done on every song is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And like every note, everything that we've done is in a place that it's supposed to be. But we try to present it in a package that's just like chaotic yes, and crazy. So exactly. on that on that note, vocally, um, I never, ever dreamed that I would be a singer, yeller in a hardcore band because you, you I grew up listening to like Azalea Dying and in some of those older bands where it's a just I was like, I can't do that with my voice. Ah. And at some point in time, I learned that if I go into my falsetto and then push past that, mm-hmm. that creates this kind of raw uh, feel to my voice. And then you push past the falsetto and you're you're then yelling it. Right. And so the fun part about what I do vocally is like every note and everything I say on the albums and any song that we've done all it all is rooted in a melody. Mm-hmm. And if we stripped away the yelling, like there are notes and and melodies and and stuff that's woven into that. And so that's always my approach is that each one of those things has like has a root in music right i'm not just yelling on top of this (laughs) and so that was something that as i got better and more confident in some of my vocal tones from scavengers we were kind of just like first getting into the studios and like okay can we do this how how does this work like my you could tell my vocals were stressed a little bit more and then with each one of our singles uh about ghosts witch rituals and then who's afraid of 11 wolves we were able to kind of like like harness different sides of that. And then for me then to go into funeral Psalms where we had a whole month, um, we had, a, basically I would do like an hour of vocals every single day so that I wasn't tiring out my voice, but then also like that allowed us over the course of the month to kind of find like, okay, we tried this on this song at this point, but what if we went back to that and tried something else? Uh, and then specifically in the studio, Joey, who's just like a harmony and melody mastermind, like we're just throwing melodies and harmonies off the wall. And I'm in the vocal booth, just kind of catching those and putting those on there. And and like, like for me, Take Me Down the River is one of my favorite songs on the album, because that chorus uh, in that song is just bonkers, because there's yeah. like 10 different harmonies that are stacked <laughs> on top of each other. Right. And And then the last take, I tried to do this higher yell which is actually what you hear mostly on the final product. But if you listen to that chorus, there's like a lot of harmonies and different things going on in there. And that was just a a blast to kind of create and and throw ideas around. But again, last thing I'll say on that is like every single song, we try to have a little bit of that hook and a little bit of a chorus or just something that could get rooted in your brain, but it's also put in the, the undertaking blender and, it's our own little thing, you know? Right. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Like I'm, I'm, we're pretty happy with it. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I can hear that there too. It's what was fun about listening over and over again was 
finding those different layers, finding those different hooks. Because if you're just on the outside listening for the first time and you're not really paying attention, you might just hear the screaming. You might just hear yeah. the yelling. You know, you'll hear how much chaos is in there. And I think that attracts people first. You know, you get that, the people that enjoy that type of, that style of music, which I certainly do, that attracts us to that music. But then it's the multiple listens. It's going, wait a second, it's more than that. And then you're really dissecting things. So Sure. Yeah, dude. That's, big fan. that's, that's rad. Yeah. Cool, cool. Like even uh, you've listened to the album Plague. Like that was a huge oh, swing yes. for us that we come out with like the clean vocals yes. and then... <laughs> There's that the the hook in there with the chorus, like that's like a mix of like a couple different takes and stuff. It's 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 really cool. Yeah, man. That's 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 rad. Yeah, that was and I don't know if you guys chose how the track listing went or if that's something that Solid State kind of had a hand in, but that song Plague, when it comes on, you yes. are you get hit out that's, of nowhere. That's that's I what it. I okay. knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we we were uh we were very intentional. We got to choose the track listing and that was very intentional. Uh, so, so you start the album with apocalypse and it's got that like kind of kick in the face, uh, punk beginning. Yes. You go straight into no friends, which starts with just that hammer of a riff. Mm -hmm. And then no friends kind of gives you a little bit of the blue balls because we never <laughs> resolve that song. And then, and then plague then is your palate cleanser. Yes. But not for long, because then in the bridge of that, like we oh, go yeah. pretty heavy in that yes. one. <laughs> yeah, so that was that's actually very intentional. Uh, if you want to talk about that, then so River is kind of the fake ending of the album, and in River, how the chorus yes. resolves, it kind of ends, and you're like, oh, that was that was we're done. <laughs> but then we go into the song I really don't want to be here, right. which comes out again just in like kicks you in the face. <laughs> And then we end with the the song that Cove is on. Yeah, yes, I mean, that is cool. We geek out yeah. about that all day because because there's like a false ending, and then there's actually two more songs after that. So no, it's yeah, it's, pretty... <laughs> it's really it is really cool to hear. Now I want to go back to something really quick. So you mentioned yeah. you were doing about an hour of vocals per day. So if you're right now curating your set list and you're planning on tours, because it seems like you know, things are starting to open up again by the end of the year, probably we're looking at, you know, depending on what part of the country you're in, you're probably looking at doing shows somewhere around there. So the question is, do you have that capacity to really belt out these tracks one after one after one front to back? Are you prepared to do that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Because in the studio, we would definitely like, just from a vocal standpoint, we wanted to protect my vocals in the sense that we didn't want to get the, into the first and second week of the studio. And I'm like, I blew out my voice and we have right. to take three weeks off. And so we wanted to be really intentional about protecting that. We, uh, be, like I said before, we actually all live in San Diego and close by mm -hmm. through, through COVID. Um, we've kind of been in each other's bubble. So, so we get, we get together every Monday night and practice. Ah. And just this past week, we sat down and said, we need to get a set ready. And so moving forward every Monday, like we'll either take a Monday night to stream on Twitch and we're playing video games and stuff, yeah. or we practice. And so all that to say is, yeah, now we're kind of shifting gears to be like, oh, we have to get ready for a show. And then like, 
truthfully, I have to do six or seven, eight songs and, and I can do that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's like, but that's something we're like very aware of is, and, and even that, like my vocal tones, not to get too deep into it, no, is very tax. It's taxing on, on me physically, but in a show setting, there are different things that I can kind of do. And, and Johnny, our guitarist can sing on the choruses. Sure. So there's different ways that we've kind of put in place to make sure uh, we're like protecting ourselves from that as well. <laughs> absolutely. Oh no, absolutely. Now, do you do anything personally for cardio or being able to breathe properly? Is there anything you have to do? <laughs> well, yeah, dude. Well, that's the, that's the fun part. And and I cannot stress how excited we are to actually show people our live show. Right. Uh, people in San Diego have obviously seen us, but to kind of take that on the road and start to show people, we do not stop moving. And right. it's, not even on purpose. I think just as soon as we get into the mindset of this is a show, we're ready to go. We're just like so dialed in on what we do as performers that we just move all over the place. And we kind of joke that we don't really even like the stage. Like we want to take over an entire venue. Sure. <laughs> and I even hate to say that because I don't want to like put too much pressure on us to like perform. I want right. to, I want to have low expectations <laughs> when we come out. So so our guitarist, Keith, is a, he used to be a professional triathlete. So he's in great shape. Uh, and I'm a, I play basketball and baseball in high school and oh, still cool. play basketball all the time and stuff. So I run two, three miles a day, mm -hmm. but that doesn't matter because as soon as you get into like the, the, the freaking whirlwind of a show, there's nothing you could do to prepare for that. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried to do my best, but even the other day we, we were shooting some music videos and like really going full, full bore on our performance. And yeah. all of us were just like sore for like three days after next hurting. <laughs> got, you got those massage guns that you're just like, Oh constantly yeah. Like working <laughs> on your neck and stuff. <laughs> well, how, by the way, how do you like, doing music videos because you've got the the new one out for it was for no friends right that we actually Correct. see yeah. you guys jump yeah. around yeah how do you like doing music videos in general because i know depending on what type of band you know it either doesn't lend itself that well people don't like the lip syncing part of it you know there are lots of things that people don't like about it how do you guys feel about it yeah um to be completely candid dude is uh we, we love it because every single day that we get to do anything with the band it's just like the reminder that we're doing some like really cool stuff awesome. and uh yeah so so the other day we actually got together and we did two music videos in one day we did a music video for river and a music video for uh and everything worked out just fine ah. which will come out in the next couple months and uh yeah dude it was just a blast because you just realize like okay all day today we're going to be filming uh just we're going to be hanging out with the band and like doing something we love uh, performance wise in a music video, I'm, I'm actually yelling when I'm doing it because okay. we want to try to, we try to, we want to try to replicate that, that visceral, uh, emotion and feel of our show in the music video. Um, but we're, we're doing a couple things a little bit different on these ones and, and you guys will see we're, we're, we're excited about what we did, but like in the no friends one, like I was like literally yelling <laughs> in, in that small room just because we want to, we want to replicate me doing that as much as possible. And right. we have a couple rules in place where, like, you'll probably never see me without a microphone in a music video because <laughs> then that takes away from the live aspect. You're like, oh, you're just, you're just performing. But no knock on anybody who does that. So. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I totally get it. Well, one of one of the things I also, and this is kind of separate from that, but one of the things I also liked when you talk about 
you know, kind of giving that live feel and and really packing things in to what you're doing. The album also doesn't have any filler. You know, there's no intros, there's no outros, there's no interludes. Was that something that you guys wanted for sure? Or was there kind of a back and forth about trying to make it something like that? Yeah, there was definitely a back and forth because at some point, well, let me just say it this way, is just the fact that we have this opportunity to sign with Solid State and put out a full-length album, like, you know, three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, if you told me that this was going to happen, I would have just said, you're like, you're full of it. (laughs) And so we wanted to come out and just do the best we could uh, with this product, specifically this album. Like if this was the one shot we got to put out an album on a, on a freaking rad label that we adore, like, let's go out and do the best we can. And then you start to, you, you know, we tried to go in the studio. We wanted to put out 14 songs. We ended up with 11 (laughs) And then we started to talk about, okay, do we do an interlude here? And it just didn't seem right. Um, sure. The, 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 you know, at some point we could have forced something in there, but then at the end of the day, we were very, very pleased with the 11 songs that we wrote. And, right. uh, you know, if we go back and do it again, maybe you, you finesse a couple transitions, you, you add a little bit more synergy between songs and, and maybe, make it more of an album but i hate to say that few people are going to listen to it front to back because of how we consume music now like it's sure. all yeah. playlists and people are going to kind of cherry pick songs and, and, and it, like i said it's not something we're bummed about it's just how it kind of happened we, yeah. we did 11 songs we don't think that there's filler which i appreciate no. you saying because every single one of those songs <laughs> man has like has that part that's just uh kind of punches you in the the gut and yeah i don't know oh no a- absolutely and i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to what you said in a second but i do want to i do want to mention something when you talk about filler and you're talking about you know songs you've got on there you have a a range of times where you know one song's like a, a minute 50 and then the next song's four minutes so you have a you have a big uh variety there but i think one of the questions something that that always you know I'm a failed musician, so my music career did not go where I I necessarily (laughs) wanted it to go. But one of the things I always found interesting about writing songs is how do you know when a song is finished? I think it's different for every band. So how did you know, hey, this song at a minute 50 is is great, but oh, this one needed to be expanded to four minutes? How do you you have that feeling? So... Every single one of our songs is pre-proed before we get to the studio. So we have a Dropbox out there that's just full of like absolutely terrible demos that will never (laughs) see the light of day. Now, when we went to the studio, we had 11, we had like, like I said, 14 songs that we were like, okay, this is something we can work with. And then you start to finesse those. And, And I think... So we have a saying in our band that nothing is precious. And what we mean when we say that is just like, there's no golden horses or golden cows that we have to be like, this song has to be this in order to be a song. And so that's, I think that approach. So specific, you're saying a minute 50, you're talking about nostalgia can be a nasty piece. Yeah. And that song is literally like riff, 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 riff. There's barely any song structure but the purpose of that song was just to be like, okay, we want this song in the middle of the album that's just going to come out and it's going to be heavy. It's going to be fast. And then there's going to be like a crazy. So there's a little bit of like a formula that we were trying to achieve with that. Ah. 
But then as you start to listen to some of the songs and as we were constructing them in the studio, you start to realize like, okay, this song actually didn't need that extra verse or that bridge. Let's take that out and like cut off a couple seconds Ah. because there's, we're fighting for people's attention. Right. Yeah. And so every song, as you listen to a song, we're going to listen to it very objectively and say, okay, when did I start to kind of zone out? Ah, I see. When at this point in the song, did we kind of lose our path on where we were trying to go? And did we go down a rabbit hole and then had to like kind of self-correct the song to get back to the purpose? And so I think that that's like where we fine tune and really break down and deconstruct every single song of like, okay, what do we want this to happen? And if if you hear some of our references, you're going to hear a little bit of like the chariot in there. Yes. And but the chariot is very chaotic. There's no song structure. Like you have no idea where you're going at a given time. And we kind of hide our chariot tendencies, or actually I should say it this way. We, we hide our very, very strict song structure of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus type Mm -hmm. of stuff in like a chariot package. Sure. And so what I mean by that is you go through these songs and there is a structure. There is, there are verses, there are choruses, and maybe we only do a chorus one time. There's still something there uh, that's like a roadmap for us. And yeah, it's really interesting because in some songs like uh, No Friends, I I said it on an interview the other day where that song actually had an additional breakdown at the end of the song. But by the time you got to the end where it ends now, the the breakdown at the end kind of just seemed like, okay, why are we doing that? Is it because we felt like we had to have a breakdown at the end of the song? Right. Okay. Chop it off. Like, let's get, let's get rid of that. (laughs) And so, yeah, each song, man, like had, we just kind of deconstructed each one and each song, you know, what, what you hear is like, okay, that's like what survived of the chopping process. (laughs) Well, is that, that's a good way to put it. Well, is that uh, like, are you guys confident enough of are you guys confident enough in yourselves to be able to do that process or does someone like have to come in and and let you guys know like hey what do you think about this do you think this can be chopped off are you guys completely fine you know butchering your own you and not not butchering in a bad way but you know what i mean like being yeah able no to, no yeah we uh so the best thing that happened to us in this current cycle is bringing Joey in as manager, as producer and helping us record. He kind of became our sixth member. So he really helped us kind of with that outsider's perspective of like, okay, what are we trying to do with this song? And uh, like, what, what can we do to kind of make it a little bit more succinct? And to to be honest, we're, we're, like I said, we overanalyze everything. So we're pretty good at doing that ourselves, but uh, not to knock this song, we're very proud of Who's Eleven, Who's Afraid of Eleven Wolves. That was a song that's us at our worst. Oh, because that was us just being like, "This is a crazy idea. Let's do it." Ah, uh, oh, this okay. is a this is cool. Like <laughs> we should do this, and that song then becomes too much. I see. Uh, because there were so there are so many ideas that got shoved into one song. Gotcha. And yeah, so so. But on that note too. This is the coolest thing ever, man, is Solid State signed us. They said, go to the studio. We went to Joey's. We finished the album. We sent it to them, and there are no notes. Wow. 
they they just <laughs> took it and they're like this is because they trusted us to create so like they signed us to be us and right. that was cool to uh that was cool for them to then respond and just be like, yo, this is super sick. So wow. <laughs> yeah, we like, like they, they didn't go through and be like, Oh, this chorus sucks or this, this like, let's change the lyrical content on this. They very much allowed us to play in our playground. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we, we did, we do most of that self-destruction and butchering ourselves before <laughs> we even release it out there. So, <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's a very good quality to have because there are people that might be too self-indulgent with that kind of thing. And they're not able to see sometimes that, yeah, that is a little bit too much. You know, that is something that needs to go. So that is very good that you guys are able to pull that off. That's for sure. So this is once again, switching gears, but it's something that I wanted to go back to. So one of the things that I've always enjoyed about Solid State, and it might be something that you've enjoyed as well, is a lot of their artists, they're very good at concept albums. So you've got Oh, Sleeper, The Ongoing Concept, Wolves at the Gate. I mean, there's so Silent Planet. There's so many bands, and I'm sure there are even more that I'm not coming to my head right now, but they'll make a concept album. So they'll kind of go against that whole attention span, you know, people losing their attention span. They'll kind of go away from that. Is that something that you guys would want to try in the future to really hit home some concept that you were looking to write? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I know, like, like uh, the Drowned Gods, another band. Oh yeah, Solid State. Just, they just released like they're they're insane with their concept and like everything you see, everything you hear ties into this narrative. Yes. And and for us, it was an intentional decision that it was not a a narrative that mm-hmm. there. It's not a concept album, but it actually is when you look at the package as a whole. And the whole idea behind Funeral Psalms is this was an album that was created. Uh, and developed, written during a, just a really, really bad year. Yes. And <laughs> sure. uh, you're talking politics, you're talking race, you're talking pandemic, furloughs, people losing their jobs, and like for music industry, no shows, like all this stuff. And so for us, we really bottled that into our, our music and our content. And then specifically funeral psalms, our approach to it, and, and I want to be clear that we're not a, a Christian band we're, we're a band like you're sure. not going to say that, that you're in, we're i mean even bands like christians in a band you're not going to say like atheists in a band you're just going to be like oh it's a band <laughs> i don't know i say that a lot <laughs> okay all right maybe, no no maybe that's the thing kidding kidding <laughs> no no but but for me i i'm i uh i'm a man of faith and so like i sure. took the approach of david in the psalms of just saying like hey uh, he, he, in, in the book of Psalms, he's crying out to God and he's yelling out to God. And there's so many opportunities for him to just like voice his concerns. And mm-hmm. God is just like, yes, give it to me. Like, I want all of that. Right. And right. that was kind of our approach. So this is our like modern day Psalms of just being oh. like, Hey, yo, we're kind of pissed. Like right. this year sucks. <laughs> and, and like you, you get stuff like, Oh, negative. I'm looking to the sky for help for relief that isn't coming. Sure. And that's like, that's like you as a person just crying out to the universe or whatever your beliefs are of just like, why is this happening? And like, nobody's calling back to you. Right. Uh, so, so there is very much a tie narratively through the whole album of this is going to be a very raw, emotionally raw, just confession out there. And, and not to make it sound crazier than it is each song on its own stands. It, oh yeah. It stands on its own. And, like I said, it's a very loose concept, but that's at least something that ties that whole album together. Right. Um, oh, no, that's that's very interesting to hear that that way. And yeah, I mean, 
going to the conversation about Christian band, not Christian band, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's always it's always difficult, at least for me, the way I see it sometimes. And I think it's also, it's very easy. It's an easy target for people sometimes to say, oh, if a band's on solid state, they're probably a Christian band. You know what I mean? It's It, sure. it kind of still has that kind of, whether it's a bad stigma or not, it, it's there. But for me, I almost feel like a lot of times when someone sings about a relationship or if someone sings about religion, unless you're using specific, you know, you're talking about like for plague, for instance, when you're talking about, you know, God bring a plague on the earth, you know, that kind of thing. That's a little bit more specific. But in general, if you're talking about a relationship or you're singing about, you know, Christianity or religion or whatever, they often can mean the same exact thing. Because you're singing about a relationship with whatever deity or whatever God you might want a relationship with. Well, that's why that's why I want to fight against the pigeon. I don't want to be pigeonholed exactly. into a specific niche because like that then excludes somebody else from experiencing this song. That is are, are you familiar with this is this is kind of random, but are you familiar with Alex Garland? He's a director who did uh, Ex Machina. Yeah devs and annihilation yes and all, all sci-fi like, yeah. yeah oh man dude's like freaking amazing uh, uh director in such a creative mind yes and he said as soon as he releases something into the world it's no longer his sure. and so he has a very specific idea and a very specific message and a very specific emotion that he wants people to experience when they watch one of his films mm -hmm. but he's aware that he's that he's not able to control how people respond or how they interpret his art right and i feel like that's so so uh profound because as soon as i release this i want I want everybody to he who hears this song to experience something that's very personal to them. Yes. Right. And I don't like, even then, like, I don't want to tell you what a song is about because that's, that's my experience. Right. Right. <laughs> and yep. like the whole thing with no friends, like that's very much my reflection on being just like a turd sometimes <laughs> and having just like broken relationships <laughs> in my life. Sure. Yeah. And you realize like in, in, and all that kind of stuff. But then you listen to it and you're just like, oh my God, this reminds me of my relationship with this person or like this situation in my life. And yep. I don't want to like force feed you what the intention of that song is. Absolutely. Um, yep. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's the, that is one of the greatest things that musicians can do. And I totally understand there are musicians that are going to, they're going to specify, this is what I want you to, you know, this is a story that we're telling. So there's there's really no wiggle room with it. But I right, think, right. yeah, and that definitely happens. But for me, my preference almost always is I love the ability to take what that artist is feeling and be able to put it or, or pinpoint it to a part of my life and experience something that I want to do, something that I've had previous experience with, with the, with the person, the passion that's in there. I think that's one of the greatest gifts that you guys are able to give. And whether you have a specific idea for what, just like what you said, you have a specific, you know, reason why you're writing the song, but to other people, they can still have that connection while not having the same experience that you had. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly it. No, that's a that's a great way for sure. That is a great way to look at things. Once again, switch gears a little bit. And I think we we talked a little bit about the difference between scavengers and and funeral psalms, but 
what what do you think? And this is obviously this is going to be your opinion. It might be completely different than someone else in the band. But what do you think is the biggest change for you? What are you most excited for people to hear on this album compared to the EP? Yeah, I think just first and foremost, we're very, very, very proud of how this album sounds. Yeah. Uh, just from an aggression standpoint, from a mix standpoint, from a recording standpoint, from a vocal presentation, guitar tones, sure. all across the board. We're just, it, it, we're really happy with the product that we're putting forward. And and then, yeah, just from a songwriting standpoint, there's there's some maturity. Like mm-hmm. some of those songs were like demos that we had been sitting on for a couple of years from Scavengers. So we kind of dusted them off and brought them like back to life, which... Ah honestly is why it's called scavengers because we like picked some bones off of the bone pile and like made songs like (laughs) like i was saying we were trying to just like write some songs to get some shows and so then funeral psalms really is the beginning for us like if all of that was just the prelude like scavengers was us picking but like old songs and kind of dusting them off rewriting them a little bit to make something new yeah. Uh, the three singles with the like the Halloween theme, those were us kind of experimenting with our sound. And then truthfully, that's all a prologue to Funeral Psalms kind of being the first time that we're presenting what uh, the undertaking presently sounds like. Right. And then, oh, my gosh, dude, we're so excited to already write <laughs> the next album. Like we already wow. have some demos that are because flo- we recorded this in August of 2020. And so you're talking, we've, 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 we've been sitting on this album for a, a while now right. and Lord knows we've got some demos that are just going to like rip people apart when we finally record them. So <laughs> oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. So that, that whole change, what you went through and you might've answered this before, but I just wanted uh, just a little specifics. So when you're, when you're working with Joey and you're going through everything, was that process of adding more genres to funeral Psalms? of tightening things up, of changing product, was that all organic or did you have specific things that you definitely wanted to do? Yeah. You know, some bands will say that there's like a checklist of like, okay, there's like three chaotic songs. Sure. We need ones that a couple songs that have a little bit more of a consumable chorus. And again, for us, we didn't really approach it like that, but subconsciously we did. Okay. And there are a couple songs where like, okay, this, this got a little bit wild in, in terms of just like riff construction. So let's like, like plague, like let's start it off with a little bit of a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can give somebody else something if, if maybe we've lost them by going too far off the deep end. Um, but oh. the beauty of it is our band, man, we are, we are influenced by so much music and, 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 we never want to say no to an idea because we don't think it fits within the genre box that okay. like either people will put us in or that we want to be put in. Um, and, and I say that because vocally I am so influenced by Sufjan Stevens and Matt Beringer from the national oh, and just terms sure. of how, how they uh, emote and how they put their feelings out there. And if I were to try to write a hardcore album, trying to sound like a hardcore, like vocalist, sure. it would be very cliche and I wouldn't <laughs> feel those emotions, but, but I write these songs, you know, as, as if we were just an indie band and then I kind of transform them into this and like, you know, Keith is going to come from a Dillinger background, but then he also comes from a Led Zeppelin and a rock and roll. So a lot of the rock yes. and roll vibes that you get come from Keith sure. uh, with some some punk rock background on there. Johnny, uh, the other guitarist, um, he's kind of our singer songwriter. 
And he's going to be the one who adds a little bit more of like as cities burns aspects sure. to yeah, our yeah. band. And he's going to be the one who kind of adds to the song structure and all that to say, like Brent has his references and influences and James has his, and then Joey coming together with what he's able to do with the used and Heller yeah. Highwater, his other bands just like really allowed us to, to experiment in, in, a, in, uh, in our ballpark. Like, right. And, 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 and like, so for instance, Demon Season is a song where there's a lot of pop influence sure. and that has like a very clean, clean verse and the chorus and all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, there's, I, 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 I'm really excited for people to really dive into the different aspects of each song. Cause yeah. I think people are really quick to say, Oh, they sound like this. Exactly. Right. But that's very much not true because in the next song, and, and and I hope people understand that it all fits within what we did, but there's just different references that we're kind of pulling in and out at different points. Yes. And that was fun. That was very fun for us. Oh, yeah, I'd imagine. So, yeah, for me, we, you know, we talked about the beginning, but for me, listening to O Negative, then going to Scavengers, because I was like, wait a second, I haven't heard this band. Like, how did I miss this? So I went back to Scavengers, I went to the three single tracks, and then I got sent the album. So then I'm just going back and forth going, wow, listen these differences. Because if you listened, I mean, you talked about it, you brought back, you know, old, old songs from the past and and scavenged them and, and put them together to make that EP. But it is like you can pick out certain points that you brought with you and certain points yep. that you that you left in the past. And if someone just listened to the album, I'm not sure they would know that Scavengers was you. I think that'd be tough until they really dove in and they're like, okay, now we can piece this together. Do you see what I mean? Of, of course, yeah. And I appreciate you paying attention to that level of detail, which I, I mean, I, I truthfully mean that means a lot to us just that you're like objectively in, in studying the music because oh, sure. yeah, there are pieces in those songs that as we played them live, it was like, okay, this didn't quite hit the emotional chord that we wanted to mm -hmm. uh, for us personally and in the crowd, or this song when we played live, like there was definitely a lull or the, the big example for us is in our song hugs, T-Rex and rock and roll. There's, ah. there's this big, there's this big sweeping chorus. Yes. And then we realized that it falls flat. And oh. So, so in the context of the song, it kind of creates, it grinds the song to a halt instead of propelling it forward. I see. And then, so then we took those lessons and then learned from that. And then River or, um, we call it Knuckle Sandwich because that's what it used to be called. The song with Cove <laughs> oh, yeah. on it, like those choruses, we learned a lot. So then we learned how to kind of keep those choruses as a driving force instead of something that slowed the song down. I see. Uh, and so, yeah, we just you're, you're always trying to learn and be better. And so, yeah, looking back at Scavengers, there's a lot of things that we were like, OK, we, we liked this. Uh, we could do that better or we didn't like this tendency in a song. So let's sure. kind of ditch that. Well, I'm very impressed with the with how quickly you learned i mean i know you've been playing music for a long time but going for you know those two and a half years or so that that learning curve was exponential so i'm, I'm very impressed congratulations <laughs> thank you yeah we, we dude it's been a wild freaking it's been a wild two years let me just oh, yeah. say that <laughs> <laughs> i'd imagine so so one of the things obviously you brought up cove so that you know he's in the track and everything worked out just fine and I know Joey's worked with them in the past, but
but is that the reason why he's a feature on that track? Was that something that you guys reached out because you really wanted him? Or was that something that came along through collaboration? Uh, that came through collaboration. So okay. Joey, uh, we we have amazing respect for Cove oh, and sure. his career, what he did with Seosin. Like, dude's a legend. And yeah. then he also lives, like I said, 10 minutes <laughs> 10 away. <laughs> and so... So Joey and him go back to high school together. They're mm-hmm. good friends. Joey manages Dead American, and right. he also manages us. So gotcha. as I kind of pull the curtain back and, and realize it's not as romantic as it <laughs> seems, like Cove Cove was for Joey like a call away. One night we were recording, uh, everything worked out just fine. Mm-hmm. And then we we're like, okay, this is the part where we would like a feature. Let's try to get Cove. Joey calls Cove up. Cove ends up at the studio about 15, 20 <laughs> minutes later. Uh, we throw down these tracks and he's throwing these insane harmonies and just doing what he does best. Right. Uh, and then like an hour and a half later, he's gone. And it wow. was just this like f- fever dream of like, oh, sick. We just got Cove on our album. That's awesome. Um, and dude, it like attracts a ton of people who freaking oh, for sure. love Seosin and love that band, love Dead American, love Cove. Yep. And so that's the kind of cool thing uh, to be completely candid as well. Like we wanted to stick away from uh, um, other, other vocalists on solid state, oh, you know, sure. like we yeah. wanted to kind of play outside of the realm. And so to be able to get him was really cool. Um, and so we're, we're like so grateful that he was able to come and make it work and beyond that. So no, that's, that's very cool. And look, the way I look at it, just from you know my past in music and and what I always stick to. Look, I I don't even think of Joey as the used. You know, I think of him as touring with a static lullaby. Like I think of okay, great. one of the big things for Cole <laughs> for me is taking over Scary Kids, Scaring Kids. Yep. All yeah, all that kind of stuff is is very cool to see that kind yeah. of stuff come around, and he compliments that song very well, like you were talking about with the harmonies and adding something, you know, even extra to an album that's already full of extras. It was just a nice thing to have there for sure. And then the other thing too, is what I, what I do appreciate as well is it's the final track as well. It's not one of the openers. It's not one that you put out there first, you know, to garner attention. You've, you've really built the entire album to give you guys the credit that you deserve. And then at the end, it's like, hey, look at this extra song that we have that's also awesome and has a really famous vocalist on it. I would just like to note, Ian, that you're very good at this <laughs> and you're a very smart uh, music listener. Because that is like very, 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 very intentional. Uh, like I said, and I don't say this to sound cocky, sure. we're very proud of this album. You we're be. very proud of the songs that we wrote and what we were able to accomplish. And then the freaking, the caveat and like the, just like the final blow is like, wait, they waited till song 11 <laughs> to put Cove out there. Yep. And, and it's like, yeah, cause the other songs are pretty stinking good. And, right. and to, to anybody listening to this, I, 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 I would hate it if I came off as egotistical. No, no, that's my uh, job. Don't worry. <laughs> in, no, but there's, it, it, it's imposter syndrome. And truthfully, we <laughs> never, like, we don't deserve to be here. We're terrible at what we do. At oh, what we do. We're bad musicians, bad vocalists. <laughs> Every single musician feels that way. And we feel it too. Just in this instance, we're just, we're really happy with what we're doing and really, really joyful to 
to be here and doing this specific thing. And we're just having a ton of fun. And so to be able to put in little details like that, which you notice is really cool. Like, yeah, it's, uh, song 11 is the one that we feature <laughs> Cove on, like not song three, right. song 11. <laughs> yep. No, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the humbleness as well. I thought you did a great mix there. And look, I will be taking that section where you called me so smart. I will cut that out. And that no, will just be, no, it, no, no, you gotta it, keep it in there. Oh no, I'll keep it in, but I'm also talking about, I'm just going to play it on repeat for myself. That's, <laughs> that's <all. laughs> Hey man, you deserve it. You deserve oh, it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now, now I'm laughing. Uh, so one of the things, and this is completely out of right field. But I realize we're almost to an hour, which is crazy. So I want to make sure I get a, a few more things in here. But I could be way off base on here on this. But when I heard on O Negative, which is obviously the first track I heard from you guys, we mentioned that before. But that line, sometimes dead is better. I absolutely love that line. <laughs> is that from Pet Cemetery, or did you just use it for this track? Nah, dude, it's it's one hundred percent from Pet Cemetery. Oh, so nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the coolest thing that not the coolest, it's just something I have fun. With. I need to have fun writing these vocals, right? Um, and so every single song has a little pop culture. I'm a huge pop culture fan. I watch a ton of movies, ton, oh, of, sure. ton of shows, and read books and stuff. And so every single song is going to have a little bit, not a little bit, pretty heavy handed pop culture references. Uh, kind of sprinkled in and out because that's a whole thing too that I don't want it to ever be too serious. I need sure. I need the listener to be like, oh, I know that from somewhere. So ah. the the problem with being included in the apocalypse is a little bit of an ode to The Last of Us, which is that PlayStation sure. game, the the post apocalyptic yep. one. Makes sense. No friends. The title of that is a reference to Russell Westbrook saying that he when he <laughs> plays basketball he has no friends except for <laughs> other than Spalding. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that is, that's uh, obscure, by the way, that's an obscure no, one. It, yeah. Uh, Holy smokes is a uh, semi, uh, designed around, uh, devs, the show by Alex oh, Garland, because sure. yeah, yeah. there's a talk, there's talk about the simulation and stuff. And that, that show is all about simulation and right. Nick Offerman's character doing all that stuff. Uh, Oh, negative has, uh, a reference to the great divorce, which is a CS Lewis book. Oh, wow. And then pet cemetery, uh, freaking nostalgia has I say cowabunga in yes, that song, so that's yes. obviously like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> reference, and the list goes on. Like there's wow. little things like yeah, so so sprinkled throughout the whole album, it's very much rooted in just my passion for for, yeah. for movies and and being dumb because that's the whole thing about trying not to take <laughs> us uh, too seriously. Like we want people to have fun with this too, right. and um. Yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, very much from uh, Pet Cemetery. That's very cool. And, yeah, Re remake or the original. I don't care which one you pull from, but <laughs> I, well, I'm gonna take from the original because I despise that's... the remake. Despise it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I I have I have uh, Stephen King tattoos. So oh great, okay. I'm the... very very picky on what I what Let's... I enjoy, but I I, I always need... go ahead. Sorry. I need I need to know that you love the mist. Oh, I do. I do. And actually, okay, that's like one of my favorite horror films that and the shining are two of my like favorite horror films, which is which is very interesting to bring up because what I what I like, it's it's kind of funny. There's two those two movies had two different endings in the yep. book compared to the movies. And I love even even more than the book, the, the short story, you know, I, yeah, I love yep, the, yep, yep. that ending to the mist 
is so incredible, so, <laughs> so brutal, so incredibly brutal that I was surprised when I first like that. That legitimately shook me. That's oh, how. Yeah, that's how powerful. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's I crazy. have a. Uh, I, I collect and uh, resell uh, limited edition screen print posters, and so I have oh. a big uh, the the mist poster by a guy named Daniel Danger hung up in my house, and it's very nice. It's an it's an image towards the end of the film when they see like the giant yes. uh, the giant monster like right before the. The, all the bad stuff. Happens. Oh, that's awesome! No, that's very uh, and I, cool. yeah. I love I love that movie. Yeah, no, that's all. Look, I just anytime I hear sometimes dead is better, I just yeah. I just remember Fred Gwynn in the movie yeah, saying dude. it and how awesome it was. So I appreciate little things. And now you've just given me another thing. I heard Calabunga. I picked up on a couple of the references, but now I'm gonna have to go back again, especially when the lyrics come out. And really dive into it and hear that as well. Because there are some things you miss, obviously. So to be able to read the lyrics along with your music just adds another extra layer. Yeah, well, to, even to geek out a little further, Adam Scatula, who's our A&R uh, guy at uh, Solid State, mm -hmm. he helped us design the, the cover art. Yeah. And if you take that for what it is, it is straight up one Trey Hales who designed the cover just absolutely crushed it. The the whole package with the artwork and everything like they they just did such an amazing job on it. Yeah. But it's a mix of Midsommar, oh, the witch sure. yep. and mother from Darren Aronofsky. Ah, so yes. it's like the, gotcha. there's like the pagan image imagery around the edges. Yep. Uh, that's very much from Midsommar. The forest scene is from like the witch yeah, and yep. the font of the album is uh, taken, uh, not taken from, but reference to uh, Darren Aronofsky's mother uh, in the script that they use on the poster. From ah, that. So like okay. we had this amazing time kind of designing this album <laughs> and pulling out some of these horror references and, and just had a really fun time doing that. So that yeah, is very we're, cool. we're, we're, we're stoked on all that. Well, Parsha, <laughs> and I, I never normally ask someone about, you know, the, the, I, I don't ask people about titles of songs. I don't ask why, you know, it, we, it goes back to what you said. I never say, what is this song about? Because, you know, in most cases, that's something a band either wants to keep private or they don't want to taint the listener's, you know, thought process yeah. or feeling on it. But uh, just on your, on the band name, The Undertaking, the exclamation point at the end, was that just done for fun? Or was there a reason for putting the exclamation point there? That is 100% indulgent. And that okay. is uh, purely based on the fact that the undertaking is very deep and dour. And <laughs> sure. like, it's a serious name. And then it was like, oh, no, no, it's not that serious. Throw an exclamation okay. point on the end. Like, that's literally like what that is. And, and it adds a little bit of it, it adds a little pizzazz to right. it. And yes. some people hate it. And that's perfectly fine. Hate well, away. I was least. worried <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning, at the actual beginning of our talk, I was worried you were going to yell at me because I did not scream undertaking. So, yeah, um, the undertaking. Yeah, you, you have to do it. To yeah. Do it. I like that. I like that. All right, Austin. That seems about an hour right now. We just talked off air. I think we've got everything set for right now. I had a load of fun doing this, and we definitely want to make sure that we hit the plug again. We've been talking about it the whole time, but I really want to stress this to people, especially with it. You know, people have plenty of time. You know, this will come out closer to the date, obviously, of when the album drops. But once again, for everyone, it's Funeral Psalms. It's on Solid State Records, and it's coming out on April 30th. Right now, you can pre-order the album, get some money directly in these guys' pockets. Obviously, that's a big deal, and I am such a huge fan. I really, 
I think this is one of the best times recently in music that I've had to really dive into an artist's discography and, like we said, compare and contrast everything and go through this album front to back and really enjoy myself on a lot of different levels. So thank you very much, Austin, for that. Now, one of the things I want to ask you, obviously, there's going to be links in the description of the episode so that people can follow you guys on social media, so that they can pre-order the album, you know, get merch, all that kind of nice stuff. But until then, what is the best way really to support you guys? Yeah, thanks for the amazing plug. You, you covered most of the ground. Oh, good. Uh, in, a day, in a day and age like this with Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, and YouTube, uh, one of the best ways that you can support not just us, but if you have a band that you love, uh, follow them on Spotify, follow their accounts on YouTube, uh, and just keep streaming uh, the music. Put, uh, you know, throw our songs in playlists and just not keep it on repeat, but uh, just keep <laughs> playing it because that's the best way that you can support us just from uh, the algorithm standpoint. And and people don't like me being that candid sometimes, no, but it's, it's like all hail the algorithm <laughs> like that. Like just keeping our our stuff afloat is so important to us, and uh, we appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram. All those things is as silly as it seems. Just the clicks and the likes and all that kind of stuff really uh, help. And and I don't mean that just for our uh, the undertaking, but any bands that you support, sure. uh, that's almost as important. And and, and that sounds that's not true but it's it's very important to us i was gonna say it's almost as important as buying merch and buying records and stuff but just the support on our social medias is, is very important for the success of bands and yeah like you know snag a snag a shirt pre-order a vinyl yeah. we uh are so appreciative of our fans and the people that that support us because that's how we continue to do this uh and I, I heartfelt, man. I mean it to any person listening. And if you pick up a vinyl record, uh, you pick up a shirt from us or a hoodie, we're just so grateful for it. Oh, absolutely, man. And I, I will be one of those people that's picking up a vinyl, that's for sure. And one of the big things, too, is if you follow everyone, you know, you follow the undertaking on socials, the hope is that if everything is kind of, you know, kind of slowly making its way back, what I'm very excited about, and you had mentioned, is if you guys are able to get out of San Diego and start traveling across the country, I'm located in Boston and I'm hoping that you guys sometime make your way up here because that's a live show that I will not be missing. Oh, heck yeah, man. I'd love it. I got a friend, a good friend of mine lives in the Boston area. So I've been out there a couple of times, but diehard die Padres, uh, San Diego fan. So I'm not... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about the Patriots and all that stuff. Sure, no. but you can go watch a you can go watch a Padres game at the Red Sox. So right, let's I mean, go. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I've walked outside of Fenway. I've never uh, seen a game there. I would I would love that. But yeah, go. we'll we'll definitely try to get out on the East Coast, and uh, we're we're excited to show our live show to people once we once we're able to. Very cool. Well, once again, Austin, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed going in depth with you on everything. And for everyone out there, once again, it's the undertaking with an exclamation point. And make sure to pick up Funeral Psalms on April 30th. Pre-order right now. Do it. Make sure they've got great numbers for when this comes out. And once again, Austin, I, I could definitely feel that you have that passion for your music and I really enjoyed talking with you. You never know how these things are going to go, but this worked out very well. So once again, man, thank you so much. Absolutely, dude. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the support.